All right. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Kales. I'm John Michael. Yeah, this is my brother, John Michael. Um, and welcome to Sing, Bad, or Sing. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We are a educational comedy, but we're, what are we? <laughs> I guess. I think we're a uh, comeducational, uh, I'd call it Comeducational podcast? Sure. Yeah. Uh, where uh, John Michael, who uh, loves baseball and has done baseball for many, many years, teaches me about baseball. And I teach him about Broadway and theater. And hence so, the title of the Hence show. the title, Sing, Batter, Sing, which John Michael came up with and considering i'm the marketing advertising person like that was brilliant of you thank you i spent an entire day like three hours at work when i was supposed to be doing other stuff brainstorming ideas for this so it was freaking great i was like <laughs> i love it it was awesome it's a it's a play on the words of swing batter swing in case anybody's wondering. yeah in case you're a theater bad. person here and you don't know that <laughs> they're like wait what does that have to do with anything yes yeah swing batter yeah. swing is like a classic baseball thing yeah, so we're hoping um it's actually, you know what, theater people would know that. Do you want to know why? Why would theater people know that? Um it's in the song I Don't Dance from High School Musical 2. There's a whole section of Swing Batter Swing and it's a whole baseball number. Oh yeah, I've saw I've seen that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to do like baseball in musicals at one point um because yeah, that's sure a thing i'm sure there's crossover we gotta find if, if there's any podcast that's gonna find it it's this one. Oh yeah i mean we'll start off with damn yankees we could do honus and me we could do well that's not a musical but yeah i have literally no idea how theater plays into baseball at all there's so like- many baseball shows John Michael, it's absurd, but well, that's no, not what you're. But that's that's what I'm saying. The game of baseball, how theater fits into that, not how baseball. There's not shows about baseball. I know there's shows about baseball, but how is there theater in the game? Baseball, baseball? is theater, isn't it? Like it's a show, okay. it's a spectacle. We're not getting meta. Yeah, okay, getting fine. <laughs> <laughs> fine. Let's not get meta. So, just so you know, the the format of this podcast is essentially um, I talk for half of it and teach John Michael about something in the theater world and then he talks for the second half or we switch places he talks for the other half and teaches me something about baseball so you ready to learn oh i'm ready baby hit me okay did you know that there was a broadway play purposefully written to flop no but i can believe it (laughs) yeah did you know even more fun fact you have seen this show (laughs) okay i've only seen like three shows right No, no 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 I have been in this show. This was in high school, like high school production. Beauty and the Beast was made to flop. No, nice try, though. You were in that one. I would have said oh. you were in it if that was. Oh, no, that's true. Beauty and the Beast actually ran for like 10 fucking years. So it's like anyway, good. they kind of failed at their objective of Beauty and the Beast. No, no, no. Flop. Yeah, it was like, it's pretty good. A true, <laughs> true producer's moment up in here. But yeah, there is a Broadway play written by a famous playwright named Neil Simon. Neil Simon is renowned like he has a theater named after him on broadway he is he's the creator of so many comedies um one of them that he has coined is the odd couple you've heard of that right i think so that sounds it's essentially the the storyline for the buddy comedy and it's like the straight man the wild man it's kind of like bert and ernie or buzz and woody or love the buddy comedy straight man the goofball it's my yes that is so so the odd couple is like the essential kind of start of that trope. Um, and Neil Simon started created. by Neil Simon. Okay. Uh-huh. 
it was even they tried to make it a, a sitcom with uh, Matthew Perry. Bad. It was bad. But anyway, <laughs> not good. So he's done a bunch of other shows. Biloxi Blues is another show. And I've done that. Like there's there's one that's a, like a hotel room one that I've done. There's there's a lot. Neil Simon is well known and we could do a whole episode of him, but I don't want to. So one thing you do need to know about Neil Simon, though, is that he was married five times. Wow. To four different women. And when he was divorcing his fifth wife, rumor has it that she wanted royalties from his next play as a part of divorce. I like this story already. (laughs) He disliked this fifth wife so much that, again, rumor has it that he wrote this play to fail. It was called Fools. Get your royalties now, yo. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a play. Um so not a musical. Uh, there's nothing that confirms or denies this rumor about Neil Simon writing this play to fail. It's a shitty show. It's not great. Right. Lots of coming school- from a guy that writes good shows. You know right. what I mean? It's like you would imagine his work This is not a good show. That trend, yeah. It's it's set in a small Ukrainian village. Neil Simon is not Ukrainian, so just brace that it is not PC. In the late 19th century, um, Leon Stepanovich Tolinsky is the teacher, and he gets a job educating like the really stupid daughter of the doctor in the town. And there's a whole. Are you ready for this plot? There, the already turned off, but yeah, I'm ready. Teacher, the teacher learns. That there is a curse on the village that makes everybody stupid. (laughs) And basically, he falls in love with the girl. And they, once they wed, (laughs) once they wed and fall in love, the curse is broken. (laughs) Is the girl of age or like, yeah. Oh, no, we're, yeah, we're going to get into some Broadway flops where the girl was not of age. Oh, this is going to be fun. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Got it. Um, foreshadowing. But yeah, so it's a really shitty show. I was in it in high school and I played Yenshna. Um, I think I was Yenshna. Yeah, I was Yenshna, which the description here for Yenshna is a sweet but forgetful vendor. My costume was a prison jumpsuit or a bright orange prison jumpsuit. I had like Princess Leia buns, but like messy with pokey, like sharp hairsprayed, ruin the ozone level of hairspray sticking out of my head, and a floral, like gardening nightgown looking thing over it she it was this whole production was ridiculous but here's the thing though um so our theater teacher back in high school you remember was friends with family yes and (laughs) i don't know if you know this story but so to get this role i was at callbacks and the theater teacher comes up to me and she goes hey mckaylee and i was like yeah she goes can you play this scene and play this character like tanya on a bad day tanya's our mother (laughs) and i shit you not I got the role. I went and, and I did it. it. I did. Crushed I crushed it. it. I crushed it. And everybody was laughing so hard. They didn't know that the teacher had said this to me. But I was la- everybody was laughing so hard in the audience. And all I hear is the theater teacher clapping and go, when I was finished, she was clapping and goes, thank you, Tanya. And then she wrote my name down next to that. And I saw her do it. She like wrote like a big star next to my name for Yenshna. And I got the role. Oh, that's fools. It's a shit show. Okay, like it's not great, but schools yeah. still do it, and it was just not great. So how he did it do? It how did it do? Yeah, like get, how did? Yeah, that's what we're gonna get to. So okay. it was considered a flop, and he wrote the play to fail, but it was considered a flop after forty performances. 
So the success of Broadway shows is usually determined by the number of performances. Did you know that? Yes, we talked about that in a previous episode. Yeah, so they do eight shows a week with Mondays or Wednesdays off usually, and then double shows on Sundays, Saturdays, but somehow they they figure it all the fuck out with matinees and stuff. But yeah, so for example, Phantom of the Opera, which just recently closed and holds the record for the longest-running Broadway show, or it, it did, but they don't calculate the number of performances a show does until they announce a closing date. So, like, you could do the math, but it's really hard to know. There's also no real average for, like, how well a Broadway show does because they're all over the place, right? Like, Phantom ran for 13,000. I'm not, I'm sorry. Yeah, 13,981 performances. That's, like, eight shows a week for 35 years. Pretty successful. Right? So that's what I'm saying. Like, that's a lot. 40 shows. If you think about eight shows a week. eight. Yeah, it's like a couple weeks, like four weeks. Five weeks. Yeah. Right? Worth of shows. <laughs> yeah. So that was considered a flop. But believe it or not, there have been shows that have done way worse. Oh, jeez. Would you like to hear about these shows that did worse than a show that was doomed to fail? And that's also to say, like, if you think about it, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, which was a previous episode we did, ran for two years. That's crazy. Right? Uh, so, so did, quick ahead. question, if you know. Yeah. Did it make any money? Like, did it make any money? Fools? Yeah. Probably not. It um I just want to know if the wife got paid or if he really got back and really stuck it to her. <laughs> um, I will say that uh the Wikipedia article that I have open right now that was helping me with the summary, um, because you bet your ass that I banished most of this show from my brain. Um that it does not have how much it made. All it does say is in his review for the New York Times, Frank Rich wrote, as one watches Mr. Simon. The director, Mike Nichols, and a top flight cast struggle to puff up this show. A feeling of unreality sits in. It's as if a team of brilliant, high-priced surgeons have been assembled to operate on a splinter. While Mr. Simon has come up with a few funny moments, there are only so many jokes that anyone can make about stupidity. Once we learn that the town peddler sells flowers as whitefish, that the town doctor can't read his own eye chart, and that the town shepherd can't find his sheep. There's an inevitability about every punchline. It was like, bad. And it probably didn't make a lot it of It probably did not make money. Uh, yeah, like I said, again, that's hard to judge. That's why part of it is the success of a show is usually determined by how long it runs. For I mean, granted, like Phantom but, ran for 35 years and, and, and almost 14,000 performances, but Lion King is the first show to ever make a billion dollars. So It made a billion dollars? Dude, it makes it makes like millions a week. It's ridiculous. Holy shit. Yeah, but that show's been running since 1998. Yeah, that sounds Still, right. Still though, like for theater, which is like I know is like is a big industry, but it's not like the movie industry. You know what I mean? Where the money's just flying around like that, like a billion dollars. It's incredible. Yeah, it's bonkers. So here are the shows that have done worse that I think are <laughs> worth mentioning. Okay, that that let's just mention for a second that people are actually trying to make good shows. Yeah, like, this is like, different, yeah, right? like, so oh, like, like, yeah, this is my like really good work. I'm going to put this idea out there and it's like just and they've invested garbage. millions of dollars in it. Right. Like it's this garbage. is not like millions not a of community years. theater. Play. No, like, I'm not. You know, I mean, it's like there's like a lot at stake here. You know, yes. people are there's investors being like, yeah, yeah, this is good. Let's do this. Yeah, exactly. So, OK, here we go. So the original production of Chess... Most of these are musicals. If it's a play, I'll let you know. The musical Chess closed after 68 performances, which is not 
worse than Fools, but I I mentioned it because chess is really well known for its more concert series, but it was actually really funny. The reason in some reviews that it closed so early after 68 performances was because they said it was too smart for the average person. (laughs) Ah, They made it like too complicated. Everybody's saying, what is happening right now? now? I don't like, do you know what's going on? Like, no, I have no idea. Like, (laughs) yeah. Okay. So then, then this one, the civil war, a musical. Oh oh, good Lord. Closed after (laughs) 61 performances. The musical. It was, Wait, are you ready? It was a pop rock musical with a oh, dash no. of country music. Who comes up with this? <laughs> <laughs> Who sits in a room together and is like, you know, dude, you know what the Civil War story needs? A musical. It needs, it needs one, it needs to be a musical. Two, it needs to be pop rock and a little bit of country right that's like the yep. guy over here and a little bit of country and the guy's like yeah dude yeah that's exactly what the civil war story needs yeah what are you talking about like so needless to say this show's never been revived they've never brought it back it's good it was a one good. and done it's a good thing yeah yep so this is a fun one that also has some rumors with it bonnie and clyde the musical hmm. um actually this is where we're getting into where they are under 40 performances Uh, for fools but bonnie and clyde the musical actually only ran for 36 performances and it was originally an open-ended run which means it didn't have a closing date right it was just going to keep going and keep making money it it was starring two broadway legend two broadway stars at the time laura osnes and jeremy jordan so it was really predicted to do very very well it's also written by jason robert brown that's his name good job mckaylee um jason robert brown so it was like destined to do really really well all of a sudden, out of kind of nowhere, the producers were were like, it's going to close prematurely. And everybody's like, what the fuck? This musical's doing really well. It's like, it's selling. Why are we closing it? So the rumors were, because then very shortly after, a bunch of bad reviews for the show came out. And everybody's like, what do you mean? So the rumors were that Disney intervened because they wanted Jeremy Jordan, the actor, to star in Newsies as their leading man. But he couldn't do it because he was contracted with Bonnie and Clyde. So they, so it's rumored, again, rumored, alleged, yeah. that yeah. Disney allegedly paid off reviewers to give Bonnie and Clyde bad reviews so it would close early. What so it wouldn't get this? so it wouldn't get Tony nominations, and so it would close early so that Jeremy Jordan would be available to do newsies. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's like totally plausible as far as just like how business works behind yeah. the scenes. Um it's rumored. What year? It's rumored, what, but it's yeah, fun. What, what year? I don't know. It's like 2015. Oh, okay. So Reese, not like. Oh yeah, no. Or something. Okay. Came out. Uh, 2011 was Broadway. Okay. Cool. That makes Make, sense. I like um, context. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, just again rumors. Okay. So then, Tuck Everlasting. Do you know that book? Uh, it's like a very small memory, but yes. Give what's your small memory of Tuck Everlasting? Uh, it's like an elf thing, like a magical creature thing. No, nope, like a Uh, children's book. God, so Puck is who you're. Oh, god, babe, I'm so proud of you. That's the Midsummer Night's Dream reference. That was very close. That's yes, yes, I get where your brain went, but no, (laughs) that's not right. (laughs) Puck Everlasting is a children's book. I said children's book, I did say that. Okay, not so your brain it. just like yeah, 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 yeah. I told you it's small. <laughs> so it's a children's book, uh, Tuck Everlasting, uh, 
was uh, based on a children's book, but the musical only ran for 39 performances. A lot of people find the book like super endearing and it's about um, Winnie who falls in love with Tuck, but then she finds out that Tuck and his family accidentally drank from the uh, pool of everlasting life or whatever. And so she falls in love with him. Oh gosh. Yeah, no, but it's a whole thing. And it's like set in like the early 1900s. And so there's like people wanting to find the well of, youth or whatever it is and so she has to decide what to do and she falls in love with him but in the end of the yeah but here's the problem (laughs) is that in the book you kind of can overlook the fact that tuck and his family have been alive for so long but in the musical apparently they made the error of like really hitting home that tuck was 100 years old and winnie was 10 (laughs) Hmm. even though like he was turned 11 or like he was granted immortal life at like 11 or whatever mm-hmm. right but he had lived 100 years so it was like really gross and people were just like mm, no no thanks so hence 31 39 performances people are so creative like the, like i don't really come up with like i like being creative but like that's not my kind of creativity people are like oh, i like this character like they drink from this pool of everlasting life and they like, <laughs> like this whole story is like what Mountain of youth that's what it's fucking called the fountain of youth god i like pool of everlasting life better than fountain of youth whatever i I think i'm stealing that as a lyric from a song from the song in the show but anywho still gets worse i'm still going down yeah no i've noticed that i've noticed we're chopping it off the block every yeah we're about to make a big jump here from 39 performances to 15 that's literally two weeks bro two weeks worth of performances Lolita, do you know Lolita? You're not an English, you weren't an English major, so that makes sense. Lolita is this. I I put this in my notes, which this is my quote, and it's biased, which is a really horrible book about an old man falling in love with a 12 year old. So then there was a musical called Anyone Can Whistle, which believe it or not was a flopped Stephen Sondheim musical. And Stephen Sondheim just, I'm going to do a whole episode on him at some point because you just need his biography. But he's a, and he's acclaimed as like the greatest composer and lyricist of our generation. He did West Side Story, Into the Woods. Like he is, oh, he is. Yeah, that'll do it. Right. He's iconic, right? Even but my this uncultured is, ass knows about yeah, those Steve, two. You know what they are. <laughs> so Anyone Can Whistle was a flopped show by Stephen Sondheim. He did the music and lyrics for it, which is unheard of, right? It only ran for nine performances. Nine. Oh, brutal! That's dude. barely one over a week because they how much shows a week. work? How much work? Goes I know into the preparation of that, like months, months of things for it literally to run for nine days. Like, yeah, the oh one thing, Lord. the one good thing out of this musical, which I'll give you a little bit of trivia, is that this was, uh, this show starred Mrs. Potts. The actress Angela Lansbury. Oh, uh, nice. And she went on to win five Tony Awards over the course of her career and her lifetime. She oh. at one point held the record for the most Tony Awards won by an actor until Audrey McDonald beat her for six. But just saying, like, that was the one good thing out of the show was we got Angela Lansbury. But otherwise, it's a failed Stephen John show, and it's kind of hilarious. To me. There, like, there cannot be a show with less than nine. There can't be, right? You're not going to oh, get another no, one. Oh. Still, I'm still going. Oh, my gosh. No we're way. We're still going. Quick, though. So here we go. Oh, then we get, geez. then we get, are you ready for this one? Then we get yes. Rockabye Hamlet, <laughs> which was a rock musical version of Shakespeare's Hamlet. And it was under the... <laughs> <laughs> that was the longest raspberry. Um, rock by Hamlet was a rock musical. It was a la like Jesus Christ Superstar or Godspell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of era. Nope. 
<laughs> the problem was is that they said that the the composer and lyricist used like the plot of Hamlet, but he never took any of Shakespeare's language. So it was just like really not great. Um, and it only ran for seven performances. Uh, didn't even make it a week. <laughs> nope. We're even going less. How? Here's one, of, here's one of the greatest, most expensive and famous and expensive flops in Broadway history. At the time, it took like $8 million to make. Oh, God, that hurts. That hurts. Are you ready? I, yes, what? It's Carrie, the musical. Like Jim Carrey or like no, like Cary Grant or no, like Stephen King's novel Carrie. Stephen King's like the horror author, right? Yeah. So this is a this is a movie and a, a book and then a movie and then a remake of a movie about a girl who gets her period, but she's so sheltered by her mother she doesn't know what it is. She gets bleeding, and all the girls make fun of her at school, and she finds out through a bunch of horror things that she's like really horrible powers, and her mother's like evil to her, and eventually. She gets asked out by the boy, like the most popular boy in school, school to prom. And then when she gets there, she's also nominated. She's wins prom queen. And when she gets up on stage, they release an entire thing of pig's blood on top of her head. And then she ends up killing everybody in a murderous rage using like magic and her anger. It's horrible. <laughs> it's, just, it's scary. I, I wish people could see my face right now. What <laughs> the fuck? Welcome to Stephen King. But How does decide- it get made? How does it get made? So Our people are like, yeah, we want to tell this story. This is really encouraging. And well, here's the people. thing: it's a very, it's a very popular book, and the movie was extremely popular. Right? It, it was so well done. In it's the so 80s. averted to horror in general as a category, so I'm biased it, that way. But that's fine. Thank you for acknowledging your bias. But oh, yeah. yeah. So then, and then it got remade recently, which the remake was not as good, obviously. But they did it as a Broadway musical. And just very quickly, the pig blood scene, right? Can you imagine trying to do that on stage no, every single night I, for eight I weeks? I don't really want to either. Yeah. Right. So, but it always, so the problem, one of the problems was, is it would always ruin the lead actress's mic anytime the pig's blood was jumped on her. And they like, it would ruin it because of all the liquid. Like you need to, I'm going to send you a picture of Carrie real quick. So you can like see how um, much blood this is. And it's fake blood. Like again, well, um, I would hope so. <laughs> you're sacrificing a live pig on stage every night yeah. <laughs> it's oh my god it's so bad that google is like fucking censoring it on me right now don't blame yeah, them I view the fucking image i don't care google here we go this is a good one like you sure you want to see this like, <laughs> yeah like, you sure you want to see this like yeah i want to see it like okay yeah right so that's what they had to do. They had to like try and replicate that. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but a set piece almost decapitated one of the actresses. Oh, God. Thank God for almost. Right. And even though, like I said, it was based on a great book and had successful movie adaptations, the musical only ran for Kenya guessed it five performances. That is insane. Are you ready for the worst of the worst? <laughs> Was it the worst? What's the worst? The worst of the worst. These are all shows. That lasted only one performance on Broadway. Oh, my. Not all of them, but some. Some. One performance on Broadway. One night. One night only. One night on Broadway. Okay. So we have the musical Kelly, which uh, was about a group of gamblers who try to prevent a daredevil from dropping off the Brooklyn Bridge based off real events. Interesting. 
We have um, the oldest living Confederate widow tells all. <laughs> Match that with the uh, the Civil War one. You got a real gem there. The title says everything you need to know about this. Yeah, so, exactly. And then, yeah, then there's um, Moose Murders, which is known as the worst <laughs> show in Broadway history. <laughs> the worst show in Broadway history. Moose Murders. <laughs> It's supposed to be like this mystery farce, like Clue or 39 Steps, right? Like funny mystery. Yeah. But uh-huh. this show featured, quote, a son attempting incest with his mother or a mummified paraplegic rising to kick a guy inexplicably dressed as a moose in the balls. Do you want me to repeat that? No. This show featured, no, quote, I don't. The my thought. A son attempting incest with his mother or a mummified paraplegic rising to kick a guy inexplicably dressed as a moose in the balls. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And here's the final whammy. Are you ready? Just keeps getting better. AKA getting worse. This is the final. This is the finale. Here we go. So then there are four shows I want to mention. First one fell asleep. Whistle, Father's Day, and I Won't Dance. That all ran for one. One night yeah. on Broadway. One night. And they were all written by the same playwright. Oh, what's, Oliver what's Haley. their name? Okay. Oliver Haley yeah. is known as the most produced and least successful playwright in New York City and holds the record that like the most least successful shows in Broadway history as a playwright. Four of his shows were one nights. They obviously didn't get the memo in the theater world of three strikes and you're out. Like they obviously... <laughs> And that's our show, ladies. Yeah. I'm done. I tip my hat and we're done. That it is. Ta-da. So that yeah. is Broadway Flops. Oh my gosh. That was great. What'd you that learn? Was, I was great. <laughs> so many things I never needed to know. I, I learned that I learned that some people are just dumb. Just dumb in their with their financial choices to invest in shows. Okay, cool. My turn. My turn. All right. Okay, Kales. Did you know that there is a player that is now retired who has the most career home runs, the most home runs in a single season, the most career walks, a career batting average of 298, and eight gold gloves, who is not in the Hall of Fame? What? Did yeah. he get canceled? <laughs> is he like in prison instead? Nope, he is not. Um, he's actually a hitting coach in the MLB. I think, right, or at least was. I what? think he currently is. Yeah. Who is this person and why did he get so gypped? His name is uh, Barry Allen Bonds. Before I get into details about Barry Bonds and his career and why he's not in the Hall of Fame, okay, I want to start with giving some information about the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Okay. okay. So the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum is a history museum and Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. Um, and it's operated by a private interest so it's a privately owned thing um oh, well no wonder he's not in they probably have to beef <laughs> with him or some shit <laughs> just wait okay it was founded in 1939 and serves as the central point of the history of baseball in the united states specifically major league baseball right because there's the whole there's the yeah. negro leagues as well um which the negro leagues um actually have their own hall of fame museum in uh i think it's in missouri what it does is it it displays baseball related artifacts and exhibits it's honoring those who have excelled in playing managing or serving the sport right so getting elected into the hall of fame is the highest honor for any player manager owner umpire or anyone else involved in the game okay okay so you don't just have to be a player to be in the hall of fame you could be an ump 
Yeah, you can be an umpire, you can be a manager. Okay. Yeah, there's owners like um, Ricky Branch or whatever. Branch Ricky, sorry. Branch Ricky, um, he's in there as the owner because he's the one that brought up Jackie Robinson um, and made that decision to break the color barrier you know, officially in that way and different things. So there's different white, white savior complex there. Okay. But keep going. <laughs> uh, he did, he did take a big risk in doing that at the time. And it was very bold and nobody else was willing to do it. So it was very cool. So to get in the player, you have to meet certain criteria. You must be retired. You must like have been fully act- retired. Not like, yes, not like not Tom um, Brady retired. Um, And you must have played in 10 of like major league championship seasons, which means that like there was like a world series. There was like something. It wasn't like a canceled season. They've had canceled seasons in the past. Okay. The selection process is done as a vote by the Baseball Writers Association of America, the BBWAA. And it looks like this, okay? So there's active or honorary BBWAA members are individuals who have written about the game of baseball for at least 10 years and have officially joined the organization. And the reason they pick the writers is because like they're the people that are covering the game, right? They have to cover most aspects of the game, right? And they're they're doing the most research and watching, you know. So yeah, so it's good. It's a good system. So then what's happened is a committee of six writers is selected to put forth candidates who meet the above criteria. And then what happens is then each writer is only allowed 10 votes in total, okay? Okay. And the criteria they use, listen, this is important. The criteria that they use is the player's record, their playing ability, their integrity, sportsmanship, character, and contributions to the team on which they play. Again, okay? very arbitrary. Yeah. And actually, not just arbitrary, but very um, subjective, which seems odd given how technical and data-driven baseball is right but it oh wait it hasn't been remember the 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 hall of fame was established in 1939 they didn't even barely have stats in 1939 but they haven't changed it or updated it since then they've only up they used to have used to be able on the ballot for 15 years now you can only be on it for 10 years and things like that but no they haven't updated i mean i don't know exactly how much they've updated but these are the current these are the current rules okay yeah so, so that's what they, they decide, right? And well, it's subjective, but it's also like each writer has different criteria. Some writers are very focused on statistics and that's all they care about. Other writers are focused on how they contributed to their team. That weighs more for them. Other writers are focused more on their contribution to the sport as a whole, right? Other writer, you know, each writer weighs different parts of the player differently. So it, it kind of evens out, right? To say that like, so, you may have had really good stats, but maybe you never made, went to the playoffs. Right. Or you have or yeah. you have multiple World Series titles. You helped your team win multiple World Series titles, but you have a lower batting average. Right. So each writer gets to determine what is That's a lot of criteria. Yeah. OK. So if a player receives 75 percent or more of the total votes, then they become an official member of the Hall of Fame. OK, so okay. it's not it's not just majority. It's 75 percent. So three yeah, fourths very, of like, all the writers have to say, like, you the fucking this congressional guy's worthy. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So, like I said, players can only run in the ballot for a total of 10 years. Um, if you receive at least 5% of the total votes in the previous year, then you're automatically put back on the ball- ballot for the following year. Okay. Okay. So, after the 10 years, though, right? So, you've been on for 10 years. You haven't gotten elected yet. Okay. Then you move to this thing called the ERA Committee Ballot which is comprised of 16 members coming from the National Baseball Hall of Fame, executives in the sport, and veteran media members. And these God, are these appoint- are a lot of fucking hoops. Yeah, and are appointed by the Hall of Fame board of directors. Those people are. So then if you so you need 12 out of those 16 people to to elect you and then if you get that which is 75%, then you get to also then you get to be in the Hall of Fame. Okay? 
Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay. So that's the basics about the Hall of Fame. But wait, 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 wait. Just to clarify, if you lose that final era committee thing, you're like fucked. Yeah, you're done. You can't get ever in. Jesus Christ. Okay. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, you're done. Right. You don't ever get to be in the Hall of Fame. Now we have the basics about the Hall of Fame. So how does Barry Bonds come into play? Yeah, especially if he's like so well, if he his stats are so good. Well, for starters, okay, Barry Bonds first appeared on the ballot in 2012. The highest vote percentage that he received is 66%. Oh my God. So 9% away, 9% away. Just recently, he was again denied entrance by the error committee, this time receiving, quote, less than four votes. Okay. Less, okay, I'm sorry. Hang on. (laughs) I'm sorry. Did he receive like three point? eight votes like no i think it's i think it's a nicer way of saying zero votes really you think he got zero he didn't get like two that's what that's kind of what when i was reading about it that's kind of why they said it nicely because they're like he received less than four tell me he's an asshole just wait just wait just wait even though the air committee has always chosen to elect members who have received more than 50 percent of the votes in a given year on the ballot every single person before Barry Bonds, if they have received 50% of the vote or more, yeah. then the air committee's like, okay, cool, that's good enough for us. And they usually elect him into the Hall of Fame. But Barry Bonds was not interesting, okay? okay. So what's the issue? Is he like a serial killer? No. <laughs> that's the, where my the, head's the, at. No, the man is clearly one of the game's best. Clearly. Yeah. Okay, so why did they deny him entry? Well, it's all due to this little thing called performance-enhancing drugs. Oh! <laughs> so this fucker i knew he was a cheat somehow i was like he has to be a criminal somehow oh yes yes he did take i'm an idiot though I'm he did take with you i've been taking too i've been watching too many true crime documentaries that that's where my head went i didn't go to like he's a serial killer. that's what it is <laughs> he can't be in the hall of fame because he's a serial killer like no 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 he just he just tried to get bigger bigger biceps and stuff like that was pretty much it you know he didn't kill anybody. <laughs> he didn't, didn't kill anybody. The most common PEDs are these things called anabolic steroids, right? Which yeah. when they're injected, they rapidly build muscle tissue and increase body mass. Okay. So, you know, they're, they're acting like testosterone, right? They, they act like the hormone testosterone in male bodies, which you know, increases muscle size by a lot and fast. These drugs, anabolic steroids, can drastically increase performance, right? As players with more muscle fibers and increased size are able to throw the ball harder and hit it further. Right, which is why it's like a big deal when Lance Armstrong did it and shit. Yeah, when he won the Tour de France seven times in a row. That yeah. was that his was more doping than steroids, which is a little bit different. But um, oh, I didn't know that. OK, uh, doping is pretty much where you go. You like train. So you go to like a, a an area of like low altitude and you train really, really hard and then you get your blood taken out. And so you have like a higher concentration of red blood cells. And then when you go to perform in the event, like the night before you go to like do your competition, then you have that blood injected back into you. So you get like an increased amount of red blood cells. So technically you pass your drug test, but you have more oxygen available in your system, which is why he's, which he was able to bike harder, bike further and and be a better competitor. I legitimately didn't know that there was a difference. That's all right. Cool. Yeah, that's how they got on the drug test. Performance enhancing drugs are not really a thing in theater. It's they're normal unless it's like crack or Adderall. Like that's how that goes. (laughs) Yeah, like amphetamines or something. Now, 
The MLB technically banned steroid use in 1991. Wow, that late? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But they didn't start actively testing for it until 2003. Jesus, age Christ. (laughs) Which ultimately gave way to the period of history that baseball writers call the steroid era. That, you know what, makes so much sense because I distinctly remember there was like all, it was like the Me Too movement again, but like steroid version of like all these motherfuckers were like getting caught on steroids. It was like a wave. Yeah, there's been waves. That's because they just increased testing. Duh. Yeah, exactly. They've always been doing it. It's just getting caught for doing it, right? So the steroid era technically doesn't have a defined timeline, but it's generally accepted to be between the years of 1994 and 2004. Okay, like that's the main decade, but it was probably going on mostly a lot in like the late 80s and then like a little bit past, you know, into the late 2000s. Now, it's widely known through admissions of many players that steroid use was rampant during that time. Like that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. So Jose Canseco is a very well-known and successful player, wrote a book called Juiced which was released in 2005. I know this book. Oh, you do? Which stated that- I worked in publishing for fucking ever. I guess that's true. Which stated, so in the book, Canseco stated that he estimated that about 80% of baseball players at that time were using steroids. And I'm he- I'm sorry, per- eight zero? Eight zero, eight zero. Jeez. Now again, that's that's based on Jose Canseco, but obviously he's like yeah, in the still. game talking to, I mean, like it has validity to it, right? Even if that was his guess, right? Yeah. Like, Right. I, I I don't know, like in my industry, I'd be like, oh, 80% of people who work in books want to be writers, right? Like, I don't know. That's a guess. Yeah. But Jesus, the fact that his guess would be that high. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And Canseco said that he personally used them his entire career. And so, and he, in this book, he also named several people. Like he named people in the book. What's up, and, yeah, he got a big, he got a big, uh, he got a big backlash from that. People were not yeah, happy think? about being called out by that. During this time frame, though, okay, between 1994 and 2004, several long-standing baseball records were broken. The single-season home run record of 61 home runs in one year, okay, by Roger Maris, which was held since 1961, was broken. One seems low. It was no. no no 60 61 home runs is a lot of and 162 games i mean that's like a home run every every three games two yeah two two games yeah okay yeah yeah i mean and again back in 1961 like you know this is true nearly the training they have now there's no shohei otani's back in 1961 um okay i got to see him play that's amazing um so anyway Right. BT Dubs from Michael was like really jealous when I told him that because I went to LA for a work trip and I got to go see the Angels and the Dodgers uh, play at Angel Stadium. And John Michael was like, I'm sorry, you what? And then he even got more angry when uh, Tano was playing. <laughs> yeah, Otani was pitching. He wasn't even like, he was was pitching, like you I'm got sorry. to see him pitch too. Like, what the hell? He pitched and he was uh, second uh, uh, second in the lineup. Right. And obviously there's Babe Ruth in the 1920s, but I'm just talking about athletics. I got you. I got you. Okay. So the record, Marjorie Maris's record of 61 home runs was broken first in 1998 by Mark McGuire, who hit 70 home runs. Okay. Okay. And then it was broken again in 2001 by Barry Bonds, who hit 73 home runs. Wow. The career home run record held by Hank Aaron at 755 was broken by Barry Bonds in 2007, which is technically outside of the era, but obviously Bonds hit a ton of home runs during that decade. Okay. Right. So he like would lose a large chunk off of his percentage. Yeah. Okay. 
Right. So the record for most and the record for most Cy Young awards in a career was attained by Roger Clemens. Wait, 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 wait. What? A Cy Young award is for the best pitcher in the league. Okay. Thank you. McGuire admitted to using a chemical called andro androstenedone, which is a steroid-like substance. Bonds admitted to using steroids, although said that he was quote misled by his trainer into believing it was flaxseed oil and arthritis cream. End quote. <laughs> Um, the bafflement on my yeah, face at this yeah, moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay. I don't know who really buys that one, but okay. Uh, um, not me. Yeah, and even though Clemens adamantly denied steroid use his entire career, okay, he was named by Jose Canseco in Juiced, and his former trainer James McNamee has testified before Congress and in court that he injected Clemens with HGH. Yeah, under oath, I'm sure. So, so that's the reason, right? That like Bonds isn't in the hall. Yeah. Thing. Is because people are like, he cheated. He used steroids. And there was a clear difference in his body size, right? When he first came into the league, he was like this skinny, long, lanky player. I want to say, I'm going to look up a picture. Barry yeah. Bonds, early career. Yeah, you see the difference? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I mean, he's like way. His muscles are like, dude, he's big. Yeah, like you see him before, his like on the pirates, are like popping out of his arms, Popeye style. Yeah, they said his his head also grew like multiple centimeters. Like it, like got his head got bigger. Um, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. So th- the dude went from like being a really good player to like you know what I mean to like just insane, right? Yeah. Insane. And so that's the interesting thing, right? And so he hasn't been elected to the Hall of Fame mostly because of his association with steroid use, right? All the writers are like, we don't want to reward a cheater. Wait, but, 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 and I might be spoiling this for you, but why him and not other dudes? It's a good question. Okay. Um, No, all those other guys I mentioned, McGuire, Clemens, Clemens is another big one. Um, They have also not been elected to the Hall of Fame. Okay. Well, that's at least good to know that it was like across the board. Yes, it is across the board. People associated with the steroid era, Alex Rodriguez is another one. Jose Canseco, you know, all those guys, they're not being elected in the hall. So it's pretty much just like a no, no, we're not doing it. But there's a lot of people, there's a whole other side of the argument that people think that they should be. And the thing about it is like, especially with Bonds, okay, the interesting thing, especially concerning Barry Bonds, is that people argue that even without his years of steroid use, which is 1999 to 2007, he is still a Hall of Fame worthy player. Here's why. If his career had ended in 1998, Bonds would be a 290 hitter with 400 and that counts. Yeah, with 411 home runs. Also counts. 1917 hits. I don't remember if that counts. Um over 1200 RBIs. Jesus. Over 1300 walks and a 966 OPS and a 164 OPS plus. Okay, for some people that don't know what those stats are, especially if I don't know yeah, I don't know what listing, I don't know yeah. what o- I don't know what OPS is. I know what the rest of them are. Okay. OPS is on base plus slugging. So that pretty much tells you like how much like their ability to get on base and then also hit for power is kind okay, of cool. what that stat shows you. And then OPS plus is pretty much like you take the average major league player and what their OPS would be. And then you say the plus is like if they're 164. Like they're handicap but inverse. Yes, exactly. Okay. Good for golf. Yep. Now, there are four other players in the Hall of Fame with at least 400 home runs, 19 hits, and a combined and a 290 career average and 160 career OPS plus that are all enshrined in Cooperstown. 
Okay, and those people include Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Jimmy Fox, and Ted Williams. Interesting. Some, some of the most famous, well-renowned baseball players in the game. Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams, Jimmy Fox too. But, but like, so he had those same stats. Okay. Now, another stat is wins above replacement. Okay. So this is a tell-all stat, right? Which pretty much what it does is it compares the player against the average major leaguer. And what it does is it gives you one number to show how many games that player by themselves was responsible for the team winning. So if you replaced this player, Barry Bonds, with an average major league player, his wins above replacement means that the team would have that many less wins. Does that make sense? Yes. That's okay. a very odd stat to calculate, though. Well, they they pull everything. They pull. Yeah, no, no, no. I know all I just, the stats and they put it. I'm into just saying one that stat. the fact that 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 stat even exists is really interesting to me. Yeah, I just was like, huh, it's an interesting stat to me because it, it's so there's so many variables to it. It's so interesting and it's a very weird way to measure a player's worth. And but it but it's nice because it gives you like a one stat where you can be like, how valuable is this player? How many wins do they create? Because if you think about it, like if it's if right, they're but, like, but, like, but 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 saying how valuable a player is, it like doesn't take into account like a bunch of other stuff. And so it's just an interesting thing that they would it's calculate. just talking statistically. How yeah, valuable I get that. are they statistically? I get that. It's just interesting. Yeah. And so like for context, Shohei Otani last year had a war of 6.8. So that means that if if he was replaced with an average major leaguer as both a pitcher and a hitter or whatever, then the Angels would have won like seven less games. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Which like seven games in a division is it's a big nuts. deal. That's nuts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's a huge deal in a in a postseason race. Okay. So for Barry Bonds. In the years between 1986 and 1998, okay, his war was 99.2. I'm there sorry. Are, so there are 90, 99 games that he that his teams would have lost if he had not played? That is correct. That's what you're telling me? That's correct. Total. Yeah. Wow. In 12 years, 12 seasons. There are 132 hitters in the Hall of Fame with a lower war than that. But okay. Okay. <laughs> so, but, 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 but I see where they're going with this and I see their argument. Mm-hmm. But according to the very first rules you told me about being inducted into the Hall of Fame, yep. about being retired and being 15 years out, theoretically, none of their fucking things matter, right? Like, none of the pre-things matter. Like, their arguments of what he did from 1968 to 1998 or whatever it was, that's 30 years of baseball. That's not yeah, a thing. N- 1988 to 19, 1986 to 1998. Thank you. I Dyslexic numbers. You're good. Anyway, it doesn't matter because the very first rule that you gave me was they have to be retired. And so if he doesn't retire, like, like he retired 30, 10, whatever years after 1988. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at the whole scope of his career. You can't just look at that part in the beginning because he wasn't retired at that point. So what he chose to do later, like that all factors in, it doesn't matter. Right, right. And but but th- to be devil's advocate, the side of it is it's like, well, if he did retire, then then those are his stats. Right. And but so that's not like, the and rule. He wasn't using steroids. Right. But that's not the rule. Right. Like we've set up. I know we were talking about like how everything is arbitrary or whatever else. But like if these are the rules with which it takes to get in. Right. The first two rules you gave me of that, it has to be within 10 years of when you retire. 
you have to retire and it has to be within 10 years of when you retire, right? So, but the, the fact of the matter is he did not retire in 1998. He continued to play and he continued to make choices that affected the results of what he could and could not do because he did cheat for 10 years of his career. He might not have cheated the first 10, but it doesn't matter because the Hall of Fame is looking at your whole career from the point of when it ended, right? Because your career has to end for them to look at the entirety of the thing in order to decide if you've been inducted into the Hall of Fame or not, right? Because if you took that by the same standards, right? Do you take Babe Ruth's first 10 years or first, what is it? 86 to 80, that's 12 years, 12 seasons, right? So if you took Babe Ruth's first 12 seasons, would he make it into the Hall of Fame? If you take so-and-so's first 12 seasons, that's not the point. The point is to take the whole career. This has gotten less funny and more like, I feel very, <laughs> I don't know. I feel very strongly about this. I'm like, boo fucking who, dude? Like, you yep. fucked up. So that's what I was going to ask you. Does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? No. Okay, what if I ask you the question, what about if we included in the Hall of Fame a whole separate category that was the steroid hall no bullshit no because they cheated it's you don't have the white those white socks people you told me about the the cheated the seven the yeah fucking no they're not there well pete rose a perfect example and this is what everybody brings up pete rose he who has over four thousand hits and is holds a record for most hits most games played and like all these records right he's absolutely deserves to be in the hall of fame He's not allowed in the Hall of Fame because as a manager, he gambled on on baseball. I, I think it matters, right? Like it, I think, yeah, because that's criminal, right? Like I think there's a- certain, But not as a player, not as a player. Pete Rose I don't didn't think do it, as a I player. So does he get elected as a player? Okay, a I, that's a different question though. That's yeah. different. Right. He, I think him getting elected as a player, okay, he didn't cheat during his time as a player. Fine. Okay, I will say that's a weird one for me, right? The idea of a different between a player and a manager, like what are we judging? Right. Is in terms of his whole career, if he retired from playing and went as a manager, when do you start calculating that? I don't know the right. rules of that. And you didn't explain right. that. So right. I don't know. That's I, don't, a different, I, don't need, I don't know him either. And that's fine. That's a different but that's a different thing. Right. Barry Bonds, you're saying his career as a baseball player ended at this whatever date. 2007 was his life. 2007. Right. You said that. But during his time as a player, he cheated by using steroids. So did A-Rod. So did Clemens. So did all those other people that you're talking about. Right. right. That's cheating. And that in another set of rules, which as you said, everything is arbitrary, but by those rules by which we live, by which this is established, he broke those. Just like the guys who threw the game. Just like guys who cheat and have extra balls and 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 do all this, like judging on the rules that they've been given, because mm-hmm. unless they change the rules, that's what right? you have to judge on. That's what you have. That's, that's what the United States legal system does. You know what I mean? Right. That's what all- I have to go on these rules, and he no does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm okay. only, like the Hall of Shame, maybe. <laughs> but, <laughs> my like, last, my last ditch devil's advocate effort for you. Okay. It's I want to not going to work, but go let's, for it. Let's just try it. Now, the criteria in which the writers use to select a player is their record, which could be translated into their war, their playing ability, which is their stats, okay? Integrity, sportsmanship, and character. That don't meet those. Contributions to the team on which they played and contributions to the sport as a whole. Okay. Here's the thing. I would argue that they did not give contributions to the sport nor the team that they played because they cheated. So in my opinion, right, like the contributions that they gave to the sport and to their teams were negative because at the end of the day, they want to play a sport that is fair and right and fun. That's the idea. No, McKaylee, at the end of the day, they want to make money. And so the steroid era, McKaylee, was incredibly good financially for Major League Baseball. 
1994, the owners and players associations were unable to reach a new collective bargaining agreement, so Commissioner Bud Selig canceled the rest of the season. No pennant races, no World Series, no chance to see Tony Gwynn chase a 400 batting average, the first since Ted Williams, no chance to see Matt Williams break Roger Maris's home run record, which he was on pace for, no chance to see the Montreal Expos, who had the best record in baseball and honed only been to the postseason once, make a run for the title. Baseball fans were pissed, and they stopped coming the following year. Attendance was down by 12% per game in 1995 across the board in major league so baseball. So they cheated to make it exciting. If they had, but, I don't know, done the but, moral thing. I am so But outraged. guess what happened? But guess what happened? In 1996, 17 players had 40 plus home runs, whereas in 1993, only five had hit that mark. Then in 1998, two well-known steroid users, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosal, battled for the single season home run record. So from 1991 to 2001, the year Bonds eclipsed McGuire's home run mark, attendance at games was up 44%. The average ticket price for a baseball game had gone from $10.65 to $18.99, which is a 78% increase, and Major League Baseball revenue increased by 115%. I just lost all faith in humanity. It's fine. (laughs) So does that does that matter? Does it matter that it was good for the sport? It was good for the sport. It was good. Well, maybe, maybe not good for the sport, but no, it was no, good no, for no. The See, I would, I would, I would argue that, like, then you have to get into like define good because at the end of the day, those people came and they spent their money and they contributed to it and boost it, but then only to have it fall so far. The backlash off of that steroid era, I think it ruined and hurt the sport in ways that money can't measure. Revenue has only gone up in baseball since 1994 or since 2000. Revenue has only increased. Inflation (laughs) and pitch and pitch clocks. Except for 2020, obviously. And pitch pitch Um, clocks changed everything. One, I appreciate your opinion and I hope you know, I agree with you. I actually um, I, was going to ask you, I was going to be like, yeah, what is your thoughts on this? Because like, no, I'm, I don't, I'm fired I don't, the fuck up at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that if you have been like, it, we have like actual evidence that you use steroids, like, and you've been, I don't know, like Barry Bonds admitted to it. Mark McGuire admitted to it. Right. right like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if there's right, evidence, it, yeah, like, there's I'm not, evidence I'm not doing it on a, I'm not doing it without evidence i'm not throwing around an accusation stick and just being like you did steroids you did no 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 these guys admitted to it there's evidence like face the fucking consequences of your fucking actions (laughs) right so i agree with you i don't think they should be allowed in the hall of fame right roger clemens is like that's that's hard for me and sometimes because it's like that's where like we talked about the arbitrary nature of these baseball writers get to decide where it's like they get to decide there's no technical evidence, right? While they did go to court and like do that, it's like he wasn't technically convicted, right? And so it's like, he, it was just a congressional hearing, right? So sorry, they didn't go to court. It was a congressional hearing. Yeah, right? but there wasn't like jail time for using steroids right. on this. Right, like, exactly. It probably yeah. was a civil suit. Somebody had to pay somebody. Like totally, I get right. it. But right. it's not necessarily like, that's why those things exist because not everything is necessarily punishable by the law and jail time. But right. there are still things that are wrong in this world that have to be punished in other ways. And so, yeah, he might not have had to do jail time, but he's not going to get in the fucking Hall of Fame either. Right. And so I I would agree that that it is cheating. And we want the Hall of Fame 
strives to maintain the integrity of the sport, right? Because again, it's not just about money. It's not, right? While the MLB is a business, first and foremost, right? It it also has so much tradition and history, and it's been ingrained and, and intertwined with American culture since the beginning. I want to end with a fun fact. This is just like a fun thing. Okay, so in 1998, right? Barry Bonds going really good. Buck Showalter, the manager for the Arizona That's Diamondbacks. Yeah, Buck Showalter, the manager for the Arizona Diamondbacks, chose to intentionally walk Barry Bonds with the bases loaded. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Barry Bonds made the bases loaded or he walked Barry Bonds when the bases were loaded so they got a run? They got a run. He chose to intentionally give up Jesus a run to not pitch to Barry Bonds because they had an eight to six lead with two outs in the ninth inning. So then they had a nine to six lead no they had an eight to seven lead okay they were up by two barry bonds at the plate with two nines and then they intentionally walked barry bonds yeah and so now it's eight to seven because they said they because okay i get it i get it again now yeah so they because if barry bonds was up they didn't want to pitch barry bonds because if he hit a double they were going to lose the game or if he hit a single they were going to lose they were going to like it was going to be tied and so they chose to walk him he was a great player in 1988 but then he fucked up (laughs) for your fucking actions i'm sorry no and, and your opinion is shared by the majority of the community and that's why he hasn't been elected the hall of fame and he won't be i mean none of them will be i mean yeah so anyway that's the steroid era that's the hall of fame that's the big debate um that's that's all all the stuff and you know there's even people wanting to be like taking away taking away those seasons taking away those records you know like all that kind of stuff and it's interesting what did you learn mckaylee well one i learned what a war is that that stat that was fascinating yeah that was like my serious one uh i learned that capitalism sucks balls and (laughs) It's ruining everything. Um, Yes. And the integrity of everything. I'm kidding. I'm I'm totally joking. Um, I also learned a lot about the Hall of Fame, right? Because there's there's no real thing, there's not like a Broadway Hall of Fame, right? Like the Tonys are kind of like the marker of that, but you're not inducted into the Tony. There's like American Theater Wing, and you can win like Lifetime Achievement Awards and stuff like that. But that's always very been very fascinating to me about like how does a Hall of Fame fucking work? That's cool. How how many Rockies are in the Hall of Fame? One, Todd Helton. Nope. Todd Helton is on the ballot again, and he's getting close. I think he got to like 65% or whatever. So he'll hopefully next year. So then zero. Nope. Larry Walker. He Who got. The fuck uh, is that? He was, ele- he was an outfielder. He was, uh, he was elected in 2020, 76.6%. The fact that he got on there before Todd Helton makes me so angry. <laughs> I'm just happy we Todd have Helton is like in a there. state treasure. He is a state treasure, man. Well, all right. Thank you all so much for listening. Hit that subscribe button. Follow us on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, We appreciate it. I'm Kales. I'm John Michael. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye.